Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is animal news. <laughs> this is from uk.reuters.com. And the headline is, Kangaroos can learn to communicate with humans, researchers say. A little bit of a sensationalized Wait. headline, but... Yeah, as I say, what, what are they saying? Well... Anything good? I'll explain. Not... They can't communicate with, like, in a speaking manner. Well, well. But I'll explain. Okay. Kangaroos can learn to communicate with humans similar to how domesticated dogs do by using their gaze to point and ask for help, researchers said in a study published on Wednesday. Hmm. The study involved 11 kangaroos that lived in captivity but had not been domesticated. So I don't know, like, what that... I guess they were... They had... They were from the wild, but they were somehow in a zoo or something. I don't know. They were in a cage, but they were out of control. (laughs) It didn't give the details on that. (laughs) So 10 of the 11 marsupials intently gazed at researchers when they were unable to open a box with food, according to the report. Huh. Nine alternatively looked at the human and back at the container as a way of pointing or gesturing towards the object. So they were, like, basically looking and, like, gesturing with their heads. Okay. Um, and this is a quote. We interpreted this as a deliberate form of communication, a request for help. Uh, Alan McElligott, uh, the Irish researcher who led the study, told Reuters in a call from Hong Kong. I don't know why we needed that detail, but... <laughs> Uh, why, and, and he says this further, wild species are not really expected to behave this way. And that's why it was surprising. So I guess like, Oh, because they haven't been domesticated. They weren't expecting them to do this. Yes. Hmm. So apparently there is a common notion in science that only domesticated animals, such as dogs, horses, and goats, like animals like that can communicate in this way with humans. And this is just basically disproving that. And it's suggesting more animals could like figure out ways to communicating, you know, convey meaning without like, mm-hmm. you know, speaking or more traditional ways, but they're still trying to like convey something right. to a person. But so far all they know how to say is I'm hungry. Can you open this? <laughs> yeah. Can you open this proverbial pickle jar? <laughs> so, far, so far all we know about is that they know how to say, I'm hungry. Can you open this? <laughs> hey, can you, can you open this? I can't, I have my I can't hands. Open this. Can you open my this? hands are very weak. My legs are very strong. <laughs> That's what they're saying. That's what they would say. Yeah. <laughs> if they could speak English. Exactly. Um, yeah, I read this and I was like not really surprised by that. Like I just felt like this seems like intuitive. Yeah. Like do you're, we really not right think that, that, that animals can do that? The like, headline is a little bit sensationalist. It's just like so they're capable of being like, hey, you have opposable thumbs. Like you get this. Yeah, and obviously I get, not thinking to that extent, but yeah, know. right. But like, I get certain animals like might not like we've never been in situations where like they would have an opportunity to communicate with you like right. that. I guess not, like, like I think like, it's wild a, boxes of food, just like yeah, like it's Scott is like hey, <laughs> a situational thing maybe. But I think that the assumption that animals can't communicate really basic like wants and needs, like seems a general gesture like an of the head doesn't. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It's published now. The kangaroos can uh, do this. They, well, great. Now they, now they have permission. <laughs> yeah. My first story is space news. This is from CBS News. Moon rocks arrive on Earth for the first time since 1976 
as China lunar mission ends. Oh, we got, we got, some, more we got some moon new, rocks? new moon rocks. Oh, cool. So, uh, for the first time in more than 40 years, a capsule has returned to Earth carrying samples of rocks from the moon, thanks to a Chinese spacecraft that touched down on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, the capsule was from, from the uncrewed uh, Chang'e 5 probe, or Ch- Chang'e, I'm not sure, um, but the, that name comes from a mythical Chinese moon goddess, so it's appropriate. Hmm. Uh, it was it landed uh, with its paras- parachutes in the Sizawang district of the Inner Mongolia region just after 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, which was early Thursday in the region. Uh, earlier this month, two of the spacecraft's four modules landed on the moon. I don't know where the other two went. They did not mention that. Um, they, con- they collected about 4.4 pounds of rock and soil samples from the surface after drilling about six feet into the moon's crust in a previously unexplored lava plain on the moon. A uh, lava plain? A lava plain. I mean, hardened at this point, obviously, not just like... Oh, like, I thought open, you meant like... Not like an open field of lava. There was lava. like lava... <laughs> There and I was like, "Wait, what?" Oh yeah. Also, we discovered lava just out on the moon. No, <laughs> this is okay. This is all hardened at this point. I see. Um, scientists uh, plan to study the samples to look for clues about the origin of the moon and its formation. The rocks were sourced from a region called the Mons Rumker, thought to contain rocks billions of years younger than those retrieved in earlier missions. Ooh. So these are these are new rocks. Newer rocks. They're new, new, new rocks. They're new rocks that are new on Earth and also new to the moon. Anyway, <laughs> China is now the third country in the world to retrieve samples from the moon behind the U.S. and the former Soviet Union. Uh, the last samples returned to Earth with Russia's Luna 24 mission in 1976. And before that, uh, the U.S. Apollo astronauts brought back hundreds of pounds of moon rocks. Apparently, just had we grabbed a bunch. Hundreds of. Pa- We're just like Did we have the room for that on the ship. Apparently, I guess so yeah. I mean, wow. they just had to get back. That at that point, they just had to fall back onto the Earth. So, fill it up with rocks. That's what I say. <laughs> they need to get up off the Earth. That's and then the, oh, the moon's, the moon's gravity is lighter, so they were able to. Yeah. It's fine. It wouldn't. It wasn't going to take as much like energy, exactly, because they were just Fill falling back to the earth. Yeah, they're okay. just falling right. back down. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's just all. It's just it's all just, falling it's from just there. Basically right? falling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It, I mean, it's extreme falling. It's extreme it's, fall. It's the most it's like, extreme falling. It's basically falling. Though. Would you say that falling onto Earth from space from is space. the most extreme form of falling? I mean, definitely from like falling to Earth. That's the most. That's the most extreme way to fall to Earth. It's like slightly more extreme than skydiving because you're just a little bit higher up. But I'd say like falling into a black hole, more extreme. Oh, I wasn't thinking of that. Yeah, I was only thinking about Earth. But yeah, in the context of Earth, this would be the most extreme falling. Okay, okay. My next story is true crime news. Is that a new category? I think it is. We've talked about crime in the past, (laughs) but I never called it true crime. I just decided to do that today. Yeah. All the other crimes we've told you about lies. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) Uh, Okay. This is from ArsTechnica.com, but it's it's being reported in a lot of places. The headline is, Zodiac Killer Cypher is cracked after eluding sleuths for 51 years. Oh, wow. Did you see this? I know. No. You didn't I see this at all? No. 
yeah, it's like all over the place that, yeah, there was a, well, I'll go into the details. Basically, one of the ciphers from when they were investigating that case had never been solved, and this team finally cracked it. Wow. And it, this, it's 51 years later from when it became known, or like when it was relevant. So anyway, pretty cool. That's, that's crazy. So a coded message uh, sent by the Zodiac Killer has been cracked uh, more than 51 years after it was originally sent. If you don't know who that is, it's a serial killer from the late 60s that was never caught and who sent several cryptograms and mysterious messages to the news media. Um, so in August of 1969, the person sent um, three almost identical letters to three Bay Area newspapers, and each one of those included a third of a 408-symbol cryptogram. But that puzzle was solved. But then in November, um, a similar letter was sent to the San Francisco Chronicle that had a new cryptogram in it. That one was known as the Z340, or just the 340, because it had 340 characters in it. And um, ever since then, both amateur and professional cryptographers, including people working for the FBI, have tried to crack that cipher. And no one could do it until this past week. An international team finally solved it. Wow. Um, so the, the lead person was Dave Oranchek, um, one of the three men who cracked the message. Um, he says it was on many people's top unsolved ciphers of all time lists. Uh, he's a 46-year-old software developer from Virginia, and he said that, um, so like, he, he, this actually explains like what type of cipher it was and stuff, which I thought, thought was interesting. So okay. it's a transposition cipher. That's the type of cipher it is. Mm-hmm. So most ciphers used today by computers rely on mathematics to scramble messages, but transposition ciphers are, according to him, relic largely relics from the past that use rules to rearrange the characters or groups of characters in the message, like, like physical kind of just like transposing things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so they can do it in a, in a variety of ways. So like one common way is like re- just rearranging the columns of a message to scramble it. Um, this one was actually rearranged likely by like manipulating. This is what the article said. Manipulating triangular sections cut from messages written onto rectangles. So, like, making triangular cuts of the text and, like, re-putting oh. those together okay. in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Oranchek said he has been working on and off on solving this since 2006. So, that's how long he's been, like, working on it. That's, wow. That's Which a really long time. Yeah. Um, so, the other two men from the team were Sam Blake, an applied mathematician from Australia, and Jarl van Eyck, a warehouse operator in Belgium. Huh. So the three of them worked together on it. <laughs> I feel like this <laughs> International. needs to be a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Actually, it would be, yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, and van Eyck is also a software developer, and he built this app called AZ Decrypt, which is like a code-breaking app that you can like put stuff into, and it like tr- and it uses a computer and it tries to like figure it out for you. Hmm. And I guess that like part of the reason part of the inspiration for him building this application was actually part of the effort to crack this cipher. And they used that tool in part of their like decoding process. Um, okay. So it's actually really cool to watch, but they actually made a YouTube video where they go through all the steps that they went through and how they like cracked it. Uh And I watched a bunch of it. I didn't get through the whole thing yet, but like, it's really cool. Like it's really fascinating. I don't know. Like they like, had to fit like they figured out like oh if I go on this diagonal and then change the symbols to these letters then there's a word in there so then we must be on the right track and then they like started like doing things and then there was like 
misspellings in it and like part of it was like not done the right way and so they had to like figure that out that like the person like shifted stuff over in a way that like wasn't intended actually for the final thing and it's like this whole thing it's like this step-by-step thing and like part of it was just them like just trying stuff and part of it was like using this computer program i just mentioned and like it's really really fascinating that sounds fascinating i I definitely want to watch so you should totally you should watch the youtube video um so yeah that's that's kind of interesting uh what did it say oh what did it say oh yeah i wasn't gonna read what it said because it's kind of like oh is it really dark dark a little bit i mean it's generally dark a little bit, but it's basically just like about how there was, I don't know how much you know about the story of the Not a Zodiac. Ton, actually. I think mostly just like that there were a bunch of cryptograms involved. Gotcha. That was pretty much it. Okay. So at one point they tried to get him to like call into a TV show. I don't remember why, but they were trying to get him to like call into this like live or maybe he wanted to or so- something like that. But there was this television show and somebody called in and like said a bunch of stuff. But they they were like, I don't think that was actually him. I think that was just someone else like pretending to be. Mm-hmm. And this message actually, it was like, that wasn't me on the TV show. I hope you guys are having fun figuring out like who I am, but that wasn't me. And like, I'm not afraid of blah, blah, blah. And like, he basically like refuted some of the stuff of like oh, wow. that person. And that's what the message said. Huh. So it didn't, it didn't to- like help. If you're wondering, like it didn't, it didn't give anything away to like help of solving help like solve who it was yeah, at that, all. That makes sense. But yeah, it's just I wonder why you would do that. I it's like why would if, you if send if these your things? whole point is to like send a message, but then you send a message that nobody understands. Like, what was the point of doing that? I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess it's people. I don't know. It's probably make, it's a waste of time to try to like understand what's going on in a, in a serial killer's mind, but just, it just seems like a weird way to, to, it's a valid question. It's like, do you, or do you not want your message? Like, why are you doing this? If not, like if you're doing this for attention, like why are you putting out a message that nobody gets? Like, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. But again, it's, I'm operating from a, like a, neurotypical brain i think so (laughs) so there might be some differences there so yeah we don't i don't know it's that's a valid question it's a valid question um it's still fascinating though and wow that they could even figure that out like with because there's so many different combinations and possibilities if you're going on diagonals like that that's that's wild and it's like the whole I guess that's like, there's a whole field of like cryptography mm-hmm. and all this learning and stuff. And like, I know nothing about it. Oh yeah. And it's just one of those things. Like every time I hear, I get here like little snippets of that type of like, it's like one of those theory, things you just like, like every ooh, once in a while like, you like brush up against you and you're like, Oh, interesting. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then you move on with exactly, your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that perfectly describes how I felt about this. Like I, like, I saw this and I was just like, Ooh, cryptography. And then I'm like, you know, tomorrow it's going to be whatever, but like, yeah, that's a whole field. I mean, that's people's like careers. Like they study like code breaking and stuff and you know, there's people working for that. Anyway, yeah, people working for the FBI weren't able to solve this one. (laughs) This is just some random, uh, computer engineer, but, um, actually, since you probably don't know this fun fact, the other one or the other like big one that he sent into the news media in the sixties was actually solved by like some random couple 
Oh, really? Like in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like the husband and wife that was like, we like, like solving codes and they like solved the cipher, like for the police. <laughs> it's just like, oh, honey, come here. There's a puzzle in the paper. And they're just like, <laughs> like that, just sitting there with okay, their coffee. You're like, just like oh, them, but like, <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I, uh, I watched not, again, not the whole thing because it actually was kind of long and it was like whatever, but the Zodiac movie with Jake Gyllenhaal in it. Mm. You know, have you seen, heard of that movie? Of it, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a scene in it where they show the couple like doing the thing and it's kind of like that. <laughs> it's like literally the guy's like reading a newspaper at the kitchen table and he's just like, oh, what's this? We like puzzles and they're like sitting down at their like breakfast nook solving. Like that's literally a scene in the film. That's so funny. <laughs> so I don't know if that's actually how it went down, but that's how it was portrayed in the movie. <laughs> So and movies are real life, so yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it was just it was just interesting. Go watch the YouTube videos; fascinating. Oh yeah, for sure. My next story is dinosaur news. You know I love my dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. This is from the Hill. Scientists are fascinated by bizarre dinosaur find. It's a pretty vague. <laughs> that's pretty. Headline. That's pretty generic. I realize um, now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I realize now reading it aloud, but uh, yeah, I'm going to just describe this this strange dinosaur they found. Uh, scientists say they've identified a new, unusual, chicken-sized dinosaur with flamboyant features never before seen in the fossil record. Okay. Uh, the new species... <sighs> Ubi Rajara jubatus. Jubatus? I don't know. Lived about 110 million years ago in what is now northeastern Brazil and donned a mane of long fur down its back and stiff ribbons, likely made out of carotene, protruding out and back from its shoulders, according to a study published in the journal Cretaceous Research. So it has like these, not like bone structures, but like these stiff things that like come out of its shoulders there's four there's two on each side, kind of like giant whiskers, but like thick. Are they feathers? <laughs> they or? kind of look like feathers, but they're like a hard structure. Oh. Which they think they could move around still, but like Yeah. Oh, like they could move it? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not a <laughs> You just like you just like shimmied your shoulders, but that's like yeah, exactly no, I... what they're saying though, is like they would like move their shoulders and like they oh. they presume that they were probably for mating or something, because like Every flamboyant feature is, but um, <laughs> yeah, they they predict that the ribbon-like features might have been used to attract mates or intimidate adversaries, similar to a peacock's feathers. I'll show you a picture of what they think it looks like, okay? Because that might help clear things up. But <laughs> uh, the fossil was found in two slabs of stone, and researchers used X-rays to discover previously hidden skeletal elements and soft tissue, allowing scientists to build a clear picture of the animal's features. And a section of the long, thick mane running down the creature's back was preserved nearly intact. And I don't know, I I assume that Mm. means, like, the fossil of it was, like, just really well-preserved, not, like, the fur itself. I don't think that would stick around. Um, The study found that the dinosaur's mane was likely controlled by muscles that allowed it to be raised, similar to how a porcupine raises its spines when threatened. Uh, so this thing has a lot of moving parts <laughs> yeah, that they're apparently. speculating about. Uh, the arms of the animal were also covered in fur-like filaments down to its hands. So it was like a covered in like fur or like fine feathers. I don't know what they would technically be classified as. And it had hands. I guess it. <laughs> yes, it had hands. <laughs> I noticed that choice yeah. of words. <laughs> so it, it's not like in. They specifically pointed out this is like the first non-avian dinosaur found in South America with feathers. So it's not a oh. flying thing. It's like a. Dinosaur, a, dinosaur. Yeah. 
Um, but it's like the size of a chicken. It looks really weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me show you a picture of it. What? Yeah, so I, that's so confusing. It almost to me. like from the picture, it almost looks like a laser beam shooting. The <laughs> yeah, I know the picture. The picture but they're just some kind of like these like sticks, strange, things. like translucent, like sticks, essentially like glow sticks, almost popping out of its shoulder blades. Um, which it's hard what? to say how much they know about the yeah. like appearance of them at this point, but it now, could be something similar to like a porcupine's spines, where it's like kind of like a hollow structure that's like hard. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Something like that. Have that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like an spikes. unusual looking thing. It's just my. I feel like intuitively that that would be feathers or some type of like colorful display type thing and not just a stick coming out. Right. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe they, uh, maybe they don't, they're not accounting for that in this, uh, illustration. Um, that is bizarre. It's a very strange looking creature. Hmm. Also, I wonder if they would make it like difficult to bite down on it. Like if you bit on it head first, like they would stick into the predator's mouth. I don't know. It's very strategically placed. Because it's like exactly, yeah, kind of at the center point, sort of of the like, it's at it's around like their neck, right? Whereas I'm at the center point of like where if they were getting hunted by something that where it would want to grab mm-hmm. is right there, yeah, right. So I wonder if that would be part of it too. The article didn't yeah. explain. I'm just I'm just pretending to be a paleontologist. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Seems logical. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next story is science news. This is from The Guardian. The headline is, Happy Corals, Climate Crisis Sanctuary Teeming with Life Found Off East Africa. Yay! Didn't they find something like this, too, in like near Australia that we talked Probably. about? Probably. There was like a secret secret coral mm-hmm. somewhere. <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> no, the secret the coral. The secret coral. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think we did talk about something like this in Australia. Um, but what... Well, what this article mentioned, I'll say first really quick, is that, like, I guess marine biologists are in search of places, special kind of places in the ocean that are, like, not as susceptible to, like, warming waters. And those are the places that seem to be harboring, like, more wildlife and not, like, the coral reefs are doing better in those places. Okay. So, I learned that. I thought that was interesting. Huh. Scientists have discovered a climate crisis refuge for coral reefs off the coast of Kenya and Tanzania where species are thriving despite warming events that have killed their neighbors. The coral sanctuary is a wildlife hotspot teeming with spinner dolphins and boasting rare species, including prehistoric fish and dugongs. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a range. Yes. <laughs> Researchers believe its location in a cool spot in the ocean is helping to protect it and the surrounding marine life from the harmful effects of the climate crisis. Tim McClanahan... The author of a study on the refuge, published this month in Advances in Marine Biology, has been looking for coral sanctuaries in the West Indian Ocean for more than a decade. Hmm. Marine biologists in general are scouring the ocean to find and protect coral refuges, which are areas where reefs have the best chance to survive the climate crisis. This coral refuge, which stretches from Shimoni, which is 50 miles south of Mombasa in Kenya, all the way to Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, Hopefully I pronounced those close correctly. It's fed, it, um, it's fed by cool water from deep channels formed thousands of years ago by glacial runoff from Mount Kilimanjaro 
and the Yusambara Mountains. The cold water appears to protect the corals from episodic warming events like El Nino. So it has like, there's like water running off, I guess, from the land. That's, that's like groundwater. Yeah. yeah. And it's like keeping that area cooler than like the other parts of the ocean. And they think that that's the reason why. That's huh. like the hypothesis right now. Okay. Like it makes sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah. And then um, they did mention at the end that unfortunately like other, there's other factors outside of climate issues that are a threat to like areas like this, um, like unsustainable fishing and different things like that. So there are um, like organizations that are trying to like find these areas and protect them as like, or like have some type of designation of like, this is a coral refuge area. So don't do certain things around here. (laughs) Right. Save the ones we have left. (laughs) Right, right, right. So yeah. So that was cool. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was Happy corals. Happy corals. My next story is technology news. This is from The Verge. Let the dulcet tones of Google's blob opera ring in this holiday season with machine learning. The blob opera? The blob opera. Okay. Uh, Google's latest machine learning experiment, the Blob Opera, allows you to see a chorus of four colorful blobs serenade you with operatic music. And I just want to get through this because I want to just demonstrate it as soon as possible because it makes me very happy. Uh, Okay. So you drag a blob up or down and you can change the pitch that they sing in. You drag them from side to side and you change the vowel sound that they're making and they all harmonize with each other. Um, Four actual opera singers, Christian Joel, who is the tenor, uh, Frederick Tong, who was the bass, Joanna Gamble, who was the mezzo-soprano, and Olivia Doughtney, who was the soprano, recorded 16 hours of singing, uh, but it's not their actual voices that you're hearing when the blobs sing. Rather, the team trained a machine learning model on those voice recordings, and the blobs are singing what the algorithm thinks opera should sound like based on what it learned through the training. Um, and then an additional model works to enable the harmonizing aspect of it. I'm so happy right now. You should be. My jaw is like hanging yeah, open. You, I can't. I can't <laughs> wait to show this to you because it, it's I'm just so excited. For I this. found this story and then I was playing around with this thing and I was just like smiling. Like it. It just made me so happy. Um, and the best part of the Blob Opera isn't just the lovely harmonies or adorable characters. It's the holiday surprise that's activated by clicking the Christmas tree icon, which will give you the okay. option to have the blob sing any number of popular Christmas carols. <laughs> so that's another option. I don't know if I'd, I agree that it's the best part, but it is definitely um, it's definitely fun. I, 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 th- okay. I think playing with it is the more fun part, though. So I'm going to load it up. Um. <laughs> this is so fun sounding. It's so cute. It's a blob. Let the volume go. All right, so there's a blob, and you yeah. drag it up and down. Okay. So that's the bass, and then you bring in the tenor. And then you bring in the mezzo-soprano. Okay. Okay. 
and then the soprano. Yeah, that you could just kind of play with them all, and they'll all just kind of and they, harmonize with each other. they all just like. They're all just like improvising. I mean, it's like improvising just stuff. Opera. <laughs> it's basically improvising like operatic sounds, um, and of course, there, <laughs> there is the holiday mode as well. Um, <laughs> it just gave them all Santa which hats. Which gives them hats. It's vaguely joy to the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's just so slow. Right, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was so much fun. Oh, I could totally play with that for like an hour. It's still going. It's still playing. (laughs) It's still playing. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I... I highly recommend, well, obviously, we'll link it in the show notes. I recommend going and playing with it yourself. It's so, it just, it put a huge smile on my face. It's really fun to play around with. And it just, it just always sounds beautiful because, I mean, they taught it to do that. And I don't know. It's, it's just a really novel. How did they do that? Like, how did they train it to auto adapt? It's like. The harmonizing is so impressive. Yeah, the harmonizing part. Exactly. It's like that is like auto adapting to what you like click. Mm -hmm. And it's. How is it doing that? I don't know. Real time. It's like real time automating. Yeah. That's. Wow. That's super cool. It's really cool. It's also very random. Like, why is that what they decided to do? I mean, it's Google. They could. This feels like the kind of thing they would do for like one of their April Fool's things, but it's actually super cool. Yes, or just like some engineers at the company were like, "This is funny. Like, we could use do our this. technology to do this." And then they did it, and they were like, "We should actually like." Let but the fact that they the got public. like sixteen hours of singing that that's they true. traded off of, like that's that was that's definitely a, a company-sanctioned activity. Effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I highly recommend that's playing amazing. around with it yourself. It, it's it's so much more impressive in person when you're just like dragging them around and watching them react, and it's just and it's adorable too. Yeah, it's super cute. All right, it's time for breaking news, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Carl's. Ready, set, go! Go! Okay, I found this on Newsweek.com, and the headline is, Customer Leaves Ohio Restaurant $5,600 Tip to be Shared Among Staff for Christmas. Wow, that is very generous. I know. Why would they do that? They're just being really nice. Yeah. And I guess they love this restaurant and it's just I, a nice like wow. Yeah, I think you just answered your question. They were being <laughs> very nice and they like this restaurant. <laughs> um and the restaurant shared this on Facebook with a picture of the note on the receipt and just saying like this customer did this and it's Christmas time, and this is really nice, and all of our whole staff is going to get like a big Christmas bonus now because of this. And that's so nice. It was nice. 
Like, and they specifically said that they wanted it to be like for all of the staff, even if they weren't like working at that day or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that was it. Th- that was all. Yeah, but it's a quick feel just, good story. Yeah, just a quick feel good thing, and that's what we need yeah. nowadays. So, truly, yeah. <laughs> I found this on the Huffington Post. Thai researcher studying how chicken feathers can beef up menus. What? They want to take chicken feathers and make them into food. Oh. Apparently, there is some kind of, like, protein portion. Like, some component of the feathers is actually nutritious and is, like, high in protein and very lean in fat. So... He thinks you can, like, basically make it into a powder that can be turned into, like, actual food. Um, oh. Huh. Yeah, this, uh, his name is Sorowit uh, Kittabinthorn, and he uh, is lo- a London-based student who is trying to figure out a way to use the millions of tons of chicken feathers that we discard each year um, to basically make a food because essentially they go to waste because they don't really have any other practical purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's already come up with prototypes of things, including chicken nuggets and a steak substitute that has, re- that have wow. received positive reviews from some people. Who were those know. people? I don't know. <laughs> um, f- apparently one of them was a food blogger. Okay. Who said they could really imagine it being served to them in a restaurant. Or some fine dining experience. So hmm. that seems like pretty high praise. Uh, they said the texture is very complex and advanced. I don't know if that's oh. good or bad, <laughs> but it is worse. In a good way or... Um, and a food sciences professor was also pleasantly surprised by the, by the results and said they think it has the potential to become an alternative food source in the future. Hmm. Um, and obviously these wouldn't be vegan or vegetarian, but they would still probably be considered ethical because... The animal isn't harmed, and the and the feathers are just a byproduct of raising chickens. So yeah, um, hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. I that is cool. It seems like something I would maybe I would try some. I would try it. Yeah, I would try that. I'd be open to trying it. It sounds basically like you turn it into some kind of protein powder. Yeah, that's gen, then like reconstituted essentially into some kind of food. But that reminds me of what they're trying to do with crickets too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which we've talked about in the past. Of like I wonder if it's like turning a it into similar, a yeah. Like a, I wonder if it's a similar um, material, like feathers and like the the chitin of a of a cricket. I don't know. If oh, be, maybe if it's like the same kind of or a similar kind of material. Yeah, I don't know. Like um, I don't know enough about like organic materials to. to yeah, I that. don't know either. Like I've never, I, I've just never heard of anyone thinking about the contents of a feather in that way. So I right. don't really even know. <laughs> Like, yeah, when I first heard stem? that, I was like, oh, that the, seems like it would, like, tickle is it the leaf <laughs> going down. Part? <laughs> yeah, I don't is know it if it... Is it the, like, fibers part? Or, or do you just, like, grind the whole thing part, up? I, or, I don't know. What, is, what, is the, what are those parts of a feather even called? I don't know. I just called it the clearly fibers we're not, part and the stick part. Clearly, we're not the ones to sell this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd try it. But, I, yeah, I would try it, and I, I'm totally in support of anyone that's, like... Thinking of creative ways to find, I don't know, alternate food yeah, sources. Yeah, especially in this case, it's reducing the waste of something that we just don't. Yep. We just normally would discard. Right. You don't even use great. like chicken feathers in like a pillow or anything. They're not. No, they're you don't use useful. it for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that would be a use for us. That's that's really good. Exactly. 
All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And guess what? It's been a while. We haven't asked. Why not leave a review? Or like a rating. Five stars, specifically. Yeah. Only five stars. We read them. Yeah. And oh, we love when you we guys love, put them. We love so. reading them. So, yeah. haven't asked in a while. Go ahead and leave a review um, on Apple. I don't think the other one's actually or if you've that. already, yeah. <laughs> Or if you've already left us a review, you could tell a couple of friends about our yeah, podcast. tell some friends about it. Or even if you haven't left us a review, tell us some friends. <laughs> the important part is that you tell some friends. And then have them tell some friends. And, that's and then the, that's how people find out about us. That's how people find out about so us. So if you, if you like this, then you should tell some people. And yeah. Exactly. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news, on Twitter at at news, and on Instagram at News. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.